This is the Wave Family Church Sermon Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We'd love for you to join us in person Sunday mornings at 10.30. Visit us online at wayfamily.church. You know, I've shared this with some of you guys uh, uh, recently, but uh, I've really been getting into country music re- uh, recently. <laughs> really? Calm down. All right? <laughs> Like, that was not my thing. You know, in fact, I used to think it was annoying to the country music, the twang and all that stuff. But, but lately, it's been fascinating. And one of the things I love about it is the imagery that you get when you listen to those songs, especially the older music, the older country music. Like, it's very descriptive. It's very, uh, the, the imagery just comes alive, right, when you're listening to it. And the music just really complements that. There's this one song that I'd like to share some lyrics of uh, because I think that it does a good job explaining this, the writer's heart. Right, and that's called Deeper Than the Holler by Randy Travis. You know that song? I, I, love, I love the words that he opens with because it really says a lot about the person who's writing this. It really says a lot about, he says, well, I've heard those city singers singing about how they can love deeper than the oceans, higher than the stars above. But I come from the country and I know I ain't seen it all, but I heard that ocean salty and the stars, they sometimes fall. And that would do no justice to the way I feel for you. So I had to sing this song about the things I knew. He says, my love is deeper than the holler, stronger than the river, higher than the pine trees growing tall upon the hill. My love is purer than the snowflakes that fall in late December and honest as a robin on a springtime window sill and longer than the song of a whippoorwill. Isn't that beautiful? I don't even know what a whippoorwill is. Right, it's a a bird and I have no idea what like the sound of a whippoorwill is like, but, but, but the point is that these words make sense to him, right? This is about what he knows and this is the way that he's able to express this, this, this message that, is, that he has, right? And I think that's beautiful when, when it truly comes from the heart, when you're really trying to explain yourself in a way that you just don't have words. And so you use what the Lord has given you to, to do the best that you can do in explaining that kind of thing, right? And so I love that because, you know, I've mentioned it before, that's the beautiful thing about songs. Sometimes you don't have the words to express something that you have, and then you hear that song and you say, yeah, that's it. That's my song. I wrote that, right? And so like that, you know, Psalm 23 is, is a beautiful composition. Now, this is an expression from David, the servant of God. Now, who is David? He's king. He was known as a mighty warrior, right? He is known as all these things, but he's also a shepherd. And so what he does in Psalm 23 is he pens and he expresses something that I think is very near and dear to him. And he uses language. He uses imagery that really matters to him, right? And so that I think makes it beautiful. Like this is a king who sits on a throne. I don't know where David was when he wrote or penned this song, but I know that he appreciates, you know, the life of the shepherd, the green pastures, and the imagery that he uses is just as a phenomenal job in articulating something that's just so important for us to know. This song, Psalm 23, is a song of trust. And today we'll be looking at what I think is perhaps the most popular song, right? I try to do a little bit of research as to uh, how much this song has been used just as a reference 
and it's just impossible. There's no way to measure that. It's, that's how famous or popular this particular psalm is. And this is probably the psalm that you have memorized. Maybe, maybe not. If not, today's the day to start. This is an important one. In fact, I've had my children memorize this psalm. It's just a good one. It's, it brings a tremendous source of consolation and encouragement for the people of God, especially in times of difficulty. And so this is definitely one of those things that we want in a utility belt and the arsenal because life is hard. Life is sticky sometimes. And then when we have words like this, it's refreshing. It's beautiful. And the fact that we even have access to this psalm in itself, I think is a gift. I think it's rare to find something that really just changes things, right? It's, it's hard to come across some words that are just so full and rich with life. And this is exactly what we have here in the 23rd Psalm. Now, uh, I've recently learned about a woman named Yeonmi Park. Correct me if I said that, uh, you've probably heard of her too. She is a North Korean benefactor. Uh, that means she escaped North Korea, and uh, my wife mentioned her to me, and I, I thought her story was fascinating. And so look, looking more into that story, and she tells her story about North Korea and her experience there, and she shares among many things that while she lived in North Korea, she never knew the concept of having her needs met. Think about that. Because North Korea is a communist uh, dictator-led country and so everything that happens there is under the control of the government and so she never knew what it meant to have her needs met which it's kind of hard to fathom as a westerner right uh, she didn't understand pleasure she didn't know anything of it she didn't know that it was okay to have boyfriends she didn't know it was okay to have fun that kind of thing she felt guilty for having a little bit of fun which again it's really hard to fathom being a westerner she didn't understand pleasure. She didn't understand anything of it. She never felt protected, but rather she felt constantly on edge for all that she could do is watch her back. In fact, she was taught to do that. She was told at a young age, be careful with what you say because the birds and the mice will hear you. And so constantly on edge, never free to really uh, uh, sense that, 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 that safety, that moment where you just feel like you're all right, right? Never knew that. Uh, the only thing she could do without permission was breathe, with, take the next breath. Uh, it's really hard to imagine that kind of lifestyle. She also talks about how she didn't know the feeling of ever being satisfied with food, which I don't, I don't even know if I know the feeling of ever being hungry, to be honest with you, <laughs> right? But she's explaining, I didn't even know what it felt like to be full. In fact, she, she has conversations and she, she says about, she talks about conversations that she has with her sister. She says, oh, I could eat 100 loaves of bread. Oh no, I can eat 200, I can eat four. And they're not necessarily exaggerating in their mind. They just genuinely feel that they could do that because of the hunger that they experience. Little did they know the limits of their stomachs. They never tested them. They never had that opportunity to do so. And she also didn't know what freedom was. She, she didn't even have the concept of freedom. She didn't know that you could even be free. Now, just think about that for a second. We're really blessed. We're really gifted in the, the sense that we even know these things. And we don't have to worry about these things because our needs are met. But someone who does not know these things, you have to really wonder. You have to really consider the blessings that we do have here. But how could this be? How could this person live or grow up in a way that's so treacherous, in my opinion? Well, she explains that this is all by design which is really interesting. 
It is the government who's designed people to live in this way so that they would not even have the ability to perceive freedom. So they did not even have the ability to revolt. They would not have the ability to do anything that puts them out of control. Instead, all they can think about was the next meal. And so it's all attacked it. It's all by design. When a person is deprived of all these things, things like personal provision, peace, think about this, pleasures, protection, preparation for the future, any kind of success, any kind of promise, any kind of hope, anything to be encouraged by, that person is left with nothing. Think about that. No dignity, no hope, no love, no compassion, no future, no fight in them, no will to persevere. That sounds harsh, but thanks be to God, to his love, his goodness, and his grace that through Jesus Christ, our good shepherd, we have all that we need. In fact, if you zoom out a little bit, that condition that Yon Mead speaks of is exactly similar to our spiritual condition before we encounter Christ. Totally deprived of the things that bring us hope, love, compassion, a future, right? And until the Lord frees us from that, redeems us from that, we can't even see past today. And so likewise, you know, we have this, this understanding that what we have, that the Lord has blessed us with, is truly something to cherish, not something to take for granted. And I think that sometimes we forget. And when we forget, we start complaining, don't we? Or we start losing sight of the things that are, are so. We start missing those beautiful gifts of life. And so in times like that, we have Psalm 23 or psalms like it and this psalm is beautiful beyond expression truly is so what I'm, i would like is for us to read it together out loud can we do that most of us are familiar with psalm 23 the words are going to be on the screen let's read this together let's recite this song this poem together and and just just cherish it just just really enjoy it together it says this a psalm of david ready the lord is my shepherd I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for such words, Lord Jesus, that we could really just trust in. Thank you, Father, for the beautiful gift that we have to even come together and acknowledge these freedoms, these certainties, Lord Jesus, that you have set before us through the cross. And Lord, we ask that you would speak to us, that you would use this passage, Lord Father, to grow us, to mature us, to sanctify us, and that we would be uh, restored where restoration is needed, Father, and that we would just be reconciled to you in all things. We love you, we praise you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Again, a beautiful expression of the grace of our shepherd. And that's the title of today's sermon. The grace of our shepherd. If you consider everything that we just read there, those are beautiful expressions of God's grace and love to us. 
And so I'd like to break, the, break it down, look through it. I don't think we're going to go deep, 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 but we're definitely going to look at this and be refreshed and reminded of the grace that comes through our Lord Jesus Christ, who is our good shepherd. So let's unpack these verses with a worshipful heart, as always, with anticipation of finding Christ. Let's recognize the grace of God expressed to us daily. And I think that this psalm does an excellent job in expressing that. So let's look at verse 1, which is our personal provision. Focus on that. Look at how the Lord graces us with personal provision, with meeting the needs that we just have, right? Verse 1 says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Just stop and think about that statement. If you were a shepherd, if you ever tended to a flock, that line would be enough. That line would be sufficient. Just mic drop, hands down, that's all I needed to hear. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You know, think about that. Who's your shepherd? The Lord, the creator of all things. Oh God, my God, how majestic is your name in all the earth. This is who is shepherding us. This is who's guiding us, who's leading us into green pastures. We have everything that we need, meaning that he's going to take care of us. That is on him and not on us. We get to be part of his flock. You know, um, uh, my parents grew up in the country of Guatemala, which is Central America, in case you guys didn't know that. And uh, every once in a while, they, they take us there and they would take us to the farms where they, would gr- they, they grew up. And grandpa had a farm and he had a lot of animals. He had sheep, he had cows, he had horses, he had all kinds of just, just stock animals, pigs. The pigs would stay in the pen. They wouldn't go anywhere. They just needed to be fed. The cows just needed to be taken out from their, their uh, what do you, where, where do you park the cow? The stall? Yeah, thank you. And, and they, would have, they would go and they parked them somewhere else. That's what it felt like. Let's move them from here and let's take them there. Horses, same thing. Let's take them out of their stalls and let's put them there. Let's put them inside a corral. They could at least be contained there because there's not a real threat to a horse, right? But the sheep needed to be shepherd. And he had a ton of sheep. And it was a beautiful pen, but you just couldn't keep them there because a lot of problems would occur if you just kept the sheep locked up and cooped up in a pen. And so it required that the sheep would have to be taken out and led to the pastures where they could graze. There's so much to benefit from having sheep. You have wool, you have meat, you have milk, you have lanolin comes from sheep, you know? All these beautiful blessings that come through this, but they need to be tended, they need to be taken care of. Sheep are flock animals. They tend to follow one another, which is why they get lost. It's not so much that they're entirely dumb, as we like to describe them, it's just they don't like to be alone because they, they don't do well. Like some people try to have a pet sheep, it just doesn't work. You have to have a little flock at least, two or three who make happy sheep. And so when they see one you know, floating off, they all kind of follow them. No one's really leading. Everyone's kind of just trying to stay together. And so sheep require a shepherd, right? And so I remember going to the farm and it is my cousin who shepherd. And he was only, man, I have a feeling he was like middle school age at the time, you know, just a little bit older than us. And the sheep knew his whistle so good where I tried my hardest to memorize the way that he sounded so that they could follow me instead but they would not, they would know him and they would follow him and they knew exactly where to go, right? And there was one time where I opened the sheep's pen because I wanted to take the sheep out. This is before I knew anything about being responsible. And these sheep wouldn't get out of the pen. They would just stay there. And I'm like, come on, Benaka, let's go. No, nothing. The sheep know the shepherd. 
And in this case, it's beautiful because we know that the Lord is our shepherd. Once we were like sheep without a shepherd, it's what the Bible tells us. You know what that condition is like? That condition is being lost, it's being hopeless, it's being incapable of conceiving freedom, and it is to be without direction, to have no shepherd, to be a part of that kind of flock is a very difficult thing. It is very threatening. Matthew 9, 36 tells us that when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. That is the state of a flock that's not led. Right there. There's a lot of vulnerabilities that come when you don't have a good shepherd. But a good shepherd tends to a sheep. He cares for them and he sees that all of their needs are met because when the sheep are happy, the shepherd is happy. There's a reason why they have a flock, right? And so he minds for them, he cares for them. He knows what they need and they need a shepherd. Sheep just need a shepherd. You can't just leave them like you would the other animals. Now the psalmist continues saying, I shall not want. That word want in the Hebrew is chaser. And that means to lack or to be without. The Lord is my shepherd. Note that. Understand who the shepherd is. Therefore, I shall not lack anything. I have everything that I need. There's absolutely nothing that I will be found with as far as a need is concerned because he is my shepherd. He's got it. He'll take care of me. In other words, everything Everything that I need, even what I cannot fathom to need, will be cared for, will be taken care of by him. Philippians 4.19 affirms this in saying, And God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Amen. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that beautiful? Isn't it refreshing to have this reminder that it is God who guides us, who provides for us. Everything that we need is taken care of by him, even when we think we are without something, promise you, we have what we need because the Lord is our shepherd. He provides everything, including his peace. Because when you're a flock under the protection of the, the provision of the shepherd, you can experience peace. And that's the next thing we see in verse two. Verse two says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Notice the imagery again that the psalmist is using to describe this peace that the shepherd provides. Now, it's hard for me not to imagine David when I read these things. I imagine that David loved those moments where he walked to those pastures and he laid by those streams of waters. He's describing them of, of something that is very peaceful, something that's very refreshing. And he says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Green pastures. This is an imagery of abundant resource right here look at just the, that picture right there if you're a sheep and that's what your meal is that looks wonderful right there you know the lord provides and when you have all of your meat net what meat needs met when your resources are abundant you don't have to worry about that day have you noticed that you don't worry about that you can just enjoy the peace of the day you can relax but the moment you're missing something the moment you feel like you need uh, you have a need that isn't met you you kind of have this feeling of anxiety, of stress, something that's very ugly, definitely opposed to peace. But he leads us to green pasture. He gives us more than we need. However, the Lord is my shepherd. Look at this. He is inexhaustibly re uh, rich. I don't know why anytime I say rich, I try to say reach, weird. Jesus tells us in Matthew 6.25, do not be anxious about your life, 
what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Your heavenly Father knows everything that you need. And he is abundant in his mercy grace. He is generous with his possessions and he provides all that we need. So we can enjoy that peace that comes from being well supplied. We can trust that God will be faithful in providing everything, everything that is important and necessary for us. Now, when we trust in the Lord, we can rest and we can be refreshed. And I love the way Isaiah says it in chapter 26, 3. He says, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. Verse two of this, uh, 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 verse two also says here in Psalm 23, he leads me beside still waters. This literally translates to, he leads me besides waters of rest. Now, I don't know about you, but I could go on forever without remembering to rest. Do you know, do you know what I mean? Is it just me? Sometimes we're so hyper-focused on, on a task, on something to do, we get so excited that we just go, 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 and we forget to rest. But the Lord even, even then graces us with circumstances that remind us, hey, you need to slow down and rest. And he leads us beside still waters. He re- leads us to a place where we should rest. And it's important for anybody to find rest, especially rest in him. What a peaceful sight to be next to waters of rest. This is the grace of our shepherd. John 14, 27 says, peace I leave with you. This is Jesus' words. We can take this to heart. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Amen. Amazing. We can enjoy the peace that comes from the grace of our good shepherd. The grace of our shepherd goes above and beyond even that, which is exactly what grace is, right? And our shepherd graces us also with pleasure. Now, this is interesting. This is not the sinful, debaucherous pleasure that I'm talking about. I'm talking about the pleasure that, like, like for, I'll give you some examples. Like, like when you take a delicious bite of food when you're hungry, mm, what a pleasure it is to have that. A pleasure like when you get home after a long working day and you're able to just lay down and just feel your body relax. Isn't that such a pleasure to feel, right? A pleasure like going and having a therapeutic massage because you're just so tense and you need someone to help you loosen up a little bit. What a pleasure. So this is not a debaucherous, sinful pleasure. This is just a a grace, a gift that the Lord allows us to experience. And I'll give you the best example of pleasure, like having a watermelon EG smack dab in the middle of the summer. What a pleasure. No, it's just for me, man, right? But this is a grace of God that even even in that he blesses us with the ability to be restored, to be refreshed. He says in verse three, David, he restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness or in right paths for his name's sake. So these pleasures are for his name's sake. These, These moments of rest, of restoration, are that we would be ready and prepared to continue the work that he has called us to, to continue in mission for him, that he would be glorified. Not that we would get stuck and stumped in there and become uh, uh, entitled to these things, but that we would be effective in our calling. Psalm 34, 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Amen. And so here it is, the grace of our Lord. It, it provides, it, 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 it brings peace, right? And pleasures as well. Pleasures are just a beautiful gift of God and also protection. And that's another thing that we receive from our good and gracious shepherd. And that's protection. Verse four, 
It says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Again, the imagery, so good. You're able to see it. Here the psalmist acknowledges that life will not always be characterized by green pastures. Life is not always rainbows and roses and whiskers on kittens, right? Life sometimes throws curveballs at us. And, it, it, and, and I think as inhabitants of the fallen world, we will walk through darkness here and there. We will walk through gloom. We will walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Job characterizes this world at times as the land of gloom. This is Job 10.22. He says, the land of gloom like thick darkness, like deep shadow without any order, where light is as thick as darkness. Some of us, some of us understand exactly what he's talking about. Because life sometimes seems that way. Sometimes we're put through those moments that are definitely meant to refine us and not to break us down. Now, this is to say that a deep darkness that is caused by something threatening, like the shadow of death, that's not necessarily death itself, but the threats of it. You see that? I recently watched a movie called uh, Puss in Boots, the newer one. And there is this wolf who kind of just menaced him like, hey, I'm death, I'm gonna get you. But he couldn't, he couldn't touch him actually, which was interesting because his time had not come. But these threats of death, of death are just that. But even though we walk through those circumstances in life, even though that they are described as darkness, even though they're described as something that we should be afraid of, because the Lord, who is our shepherd, is with us, he is our protector, we shall fear no evil. We have to remember who it is that's with us, and that's our shepherd. The Lord is our shepherd. Now, the thing that causes fear, again, is, is something that has the ability to harm us, right? It has the ability to get to us to cause that harm. But when we know that we're protected, sometimes even a wall is enough. Like you see a bee outside. And all you have to do is get and put a, put a, a wall between you or a door or a piece of glass and you feel protected all of a sudden, right? Sometimes that's all we need is to be in the presence of safety, of security, knowing that that's God. It's amazing. Now, look at this. Look at, again, the imagery. God is for us. Remember that. Therefore, who could be against us? The Lord who is our shepherd. He says, you are with me. That right there is comforting in itself. And there's more. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, these are two different things, rod and staff. Okay? The rod is the shepherd's weapon. It's a hook or a crook. Uh, it's not, it doesn't have the hook or the crook. The, the rod is like a, a banging stick. It's a shorter stick. In fact, I have a picture of a shepherd who has a rod and a staff. Put it up there. This is the legitimate shepherd right there. That rod is made to fight animals. Okay? He says, your rod and your staff, they come from me. The staff is a longer one with a crook or a hook, and that's, made, that's designed to lead the flock. Because if you can imagine, when threats happen, we tend to scatter. You know, like chickens with their heads cut, cut off. We've heard that expression. But we have a shepherd who not only protects us, but also keeps, him, keeps us from scattering. You know, he continues to care for us. His rod and his staff, they comfort us. So even though we're under threat or we're seemingly under threat of darkness, our shepherd has a whacking stick that he will protect us with. Nothing can get through him. It is the Lord who is our shepherd. And guess what? He's armed. <laughs> it is so comforting to know that God has my back. You know, sometimes uh, my girls, there's been times where they're afraid to go to sleep. They don't, they, they're missing that sense of peace. And just simply to be able to sit next to them is enough to help them relax and fall asleep, right? To calm down. 
and then much more let them know, hey, we have, we have measures in place. We have whatever we need to be able to be protected. We have security system, we have dogs, we have you know, locks on our doors, etc. We have means to be able to be protected and that definitely brings a source of peace. <coughs> excuse me, and comfort. <coughs> <coughs> Ooh, excuse me. Now, <clears throat> having understood this, I think it's easy to say now that we shouldn't fear death. And so when we're in those moments, just remember the Lord is your shepherd. Second Thessalonians 3.3 3 says, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm having technical difficulties here. <clears throat> but the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. He is our protector. This is the promise of the Lord. And verse 5, this is probably my favorite verse. And I'm going to admit to you, it used to be my least favorite verse because I didn't get it. But once it clicked, I was like, wow. I want you to understand this verse. It's amazing. Verse 5 is preparation. He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Now, preparing a table means to satisfy fully. When someone prepares a table, they're expecting you to be fully satisfied. You see that? Now, what the, the thing that I think just blows my socks off here is that the Lord has prepared a table for us. I don't know how much David knew at this time. It seems like the Lord was really gracious and revealing a lot to him. But the Lord has prepared a table, meaning Christ Jesus. He has prepared a table in the presence of my enemies. Christ Jesus was prepared for us to be the sacrifice, the thing that would satisfy the Lord's wrath in the presence of my enemies. He was there. He was despised. He was convicted for something that he was innocent of, right? But the Lord had prepared them from the beginning. And so the psalmist says, you anoint my head with oil because of that preparation, because of that sacrifice, because the wrath of God is satisfied through that preparation. We receive this anointing, this blessing from, from the Lord. And, and that's, that's grace. That's grace. And he says, my cup, therefore, overflows. So we have this plethora, this overabundance, right, of grace that we've received through Christ. And it is out of that that we love, that we care, that we have compassion for people, that we teach, that we live for Christ because the Lord has prepared a table for us in the presence of our enemies. And again, if God is for us, who could be against that? What a gracious gift I don't know how much David understood this, but he saw something so beautiful and we shouldn't miss it, right? This is Christ right here that he's talking about. And then he says, <clears throat> at the end, the promise that comes from that surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. How cool is that? That's grace. What a promise. When we're in those moments where we just don't know what the point is, right? When we're stuck, man, there's a promise that comes from that. And it is because it's been prepared and it's been satisfied and it's been done and it's, been, and it's good. And so we get to experience that promise, the beauty, the delight that comes from Christ Jesus. Like sheep with its shepherd, the psalmist quiets himself with God's assurance of eternal home with him. We need to do the same. 
when we are reminded of the glory of God, of the promises that follow, we can quiet our, our anxieties. We can rest assured. We can trust Him. This is the psalm of trust. Life with our gracious shepherd means we have no lack. There's peace and pleasure in being under the protection and the provision of the Lord. When darkness looms over us, He is with us. The creator of all things is with us. The one who has authority over all things is with us. Therefore, we have nothing to fear. Now, some questions to ask yourself. Let me ask you this. Would you rather have a mountaintop experience without God or the dark valley with him? Now, I think back at Yuan Mi's story. She describes the place where she grew up as beautiful. We would consider that area to be beautiful, but there was nothing there. There was no hope. There was no protection. There was no peace. And the moment she finds that, regardless of where you are, as long as you have him, it doesn't matter where you are. Just being in the presence of the Lord is sufficient. His grace is enough for us. So would you rather have the mountaintop experience without God or the dark valley with him? Next question to consider. How does the presence of God actually help you when you are in darkness? You take the time to consider that. How does it actually help you? I like how Dr. Orland put it, and I'm going to read his answer to you. He says, We know that Jesus Christ walked through the ultimate valley of the shadow of death, the darkness of condemnation and hell, a fate that should have landed on us. The result is that our temporary dark valleys, in our temporary dark valleys, we can know that despite our sin and failure, God will bring us in full more integrity to be with him forever. Where we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Where all the mess and darkness of our little lives will be found to have worked backward to make us more resplendent and happy than we otherwise could have been. The fact that we have these blessings, the fact that we have the provision that we have, the protection, the peace, the promise, everything that we see here that so many people can't even conceive of is such a gracious blessing from our good shepherd because he is good and because he is almighty and because he has provided a way for us to be able to look forward to eternity in Christ Jesus who was prepared for us to be that atonement, to be able to be reconciled with the Father. Amen? And so, again, let's read this psalm together and then we'll close. Let's go back to Psalm 23. If you haven't memorized, let's go for it. It says this, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that you are almighty and that you are our shepherd and that you are our provision, our peace, our protection, our pleasure. But thank you for 
the preparations of having your son come down to be that offering, to be that atoning sacrifice, Lord Jesus. Lord, your grace is beautiful and help us not take that for granted. Help us see it, Lord Jesus, in all its beauty, in all its splendor. Thank you for your servant, David, who's beautifully articulated the way that you care for us. And so, Lord, we worship you. We thank you. We are honored that you would welcome us into your flock. Lord Jesus, we ask that you would forgive us of any shortcomings, that you would forgive us for not trusting you when we have every, every reason to trust you, Lord Jesus. So, Lord, I ask that you would continue to grow us, you continue to sanctify us, that you would remind us of these truths, Father, that we would be prepared, Lord Jesus, in every circumstance, knowing that you are with us. And if you are with us, who could be against us? We love you, we praise you, in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen, amen and amen.